there. Welcome back to the EP Podcast. I'm Austin Horton. Thank you so much for tuning in, sharing, subscribing, listening. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. I'm on Twitter, at Austin Horton. You can email me, austin.horton at 1280thezone.com. would love your feedback on what you've thought of the podcast so far, what you're liking, what you're disliking. want to keep this thing as light, entertaining, and quick-moving as possible for everyone that spend some time with me uh, each and every day. It has not lost on me. You have a lot of places to go and to choose from for your listening uh, entertainment, and I appreciate you choosing me and this show. All right, it is a Thursday, and I'm excited to share a couple sound bites from J- the Joe Ingles show. On He was on with DJ and PK for his weekly Thursday hit on The Zone today, and he had a couple insights that I thought were terrific. One in regards to uh, what Dr. Anthony Fauci uh, proposed as a return to play soon, and also the the Rudy and Donovan uh, drama. I'm going to let you hear his interaction with DJ and PK in its entirety, and then give you my thoughts on that as well. But I wanted to start right here. The Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance, that will be uh, airing as a miniseries, I think, on ESPN starting Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I know that Michael Jordan was quote unquote, the greatest of all time. I don't, I I think, honestly, I think LeBron has passed him there, but that's a debate that can never be finished. Will never be. It's like, I'm, I'm a sports guy. I'm supposed to like debates like that. And that just, they tire me it's exhausting because you're never going to convince a LeBron guy that MJ is still the greatest. And you're never going to convince an MJ guy that LeBron is now the greatest. It's just not going to happen. So bottom line is, they're two of the greatest of all time. Kobe Bryant, third for me right there. But uh, you gotta you got to respect the greatness that was the NBA career of Michael Jordan. What I worry about, and from a lot of reports it seems there is some truth told in this documentary, but my worry is how much truth will be told. How much is this a Michael Jordan uh, PR spin machine controlled narrative that we're going to see? Or how much of this is finally dropping the curtain and letting us see just what an absolute jerk of a person Michael Jordan is. Because, kids, Michael Jordan is a bad, bad role model. Don't follow him. If you want to play basketball like Michael Jordan, great. That's a a fine goal and a fine aspiration. Don't get there the way he got there. Because he was an absolute disaster to his teammates, his coaches, his family, his, uh, his friends. The the media, everybody, his fans. If I didn't mention his fans, he was a uh, a jerk through and through. Now, maybe that's not entirely fair of me, because uh, there were there are stories, of course, where he did nice things uh, as well. No one, I don't think it's rare that someone goes through their entirety uh, of their lifetime without doing a nice thing here or there. But I'm wondering about this uh, Last Dance documentary. Is it going to show the infights between Michael Jordan and every one of his teammates and coaches? Is it going to show uh, just how bad of a husband and father he was most of the time? Is it going to show uh, his addictions to gambling and drinking and smoking? Or is this going to be Michael Jordan the competitor? He did everything it took to get to the top. It, oh, you got he was so intense. You got to understand. To be the greatest, you got to ruffle a few feathers. You got to have an edge. You might come across as a jerk, but really you're just trying harder than anyone else. No, you can try harder than anyone else and still not act like you're better than anyone else. 
and that and that's putting it lightly. There's stories with Bill Cartwright, which I am I am learning. I am seeing that he will tell some truth about how he treated Bill Cartwright uh, with the Chicago Bulls. But some stories that would just blow people's minds, the things that he said and did to some of his teammates. Uh, there's a, a recent story in the last five, six years in the NBA where uh, DeMarcus Cousins was bull- at flat bullying a teammate. And I, I believe it was Nick Stauskas uh, when they were together on the, on the Sacramento Kings. He would essentially steal Nick Stauskas' uh, milk money each day. Meaning he forced Nick Stauskas to pay him for his seat on the airplane, to pay him to pay for his dinners, to carry his bags, and he would call him all kinds of awful, terrible names. Got to the point where, in fact, some of the stories were very homophobic uh, in nature, and it got to the point where finally Nick Stauskas went to his agent and said, "That's it. I can't do this anymore. I'm either being traded or I'm going to the media and, and blowing the whistle on this thing." His agent called up the Kings, and you know what the Kings did? The wrong thing. They didn't address DeMarcus Cousins. They didn't stop him. They didn't get in front of it. They didn't correct the poor uh, behavior because DeMarcus Cousins was the franchise player at the time. He scored a lot of points. He grabbed a lot of rebounds. He was a, he was a stretch five. He was important to success in the Sacramento Kings basketball world. But instead of correcting him and solving this, they just traded Nick Stauskas. Now, to Nick Stauskas' credit, he has never reported this. This is third-hand knowledge. Uh, I believe I could trace it back to uh, his agent or someone in his agent's office. But he got traded, and he closed his mouth. That was the, the agreement that he, he, he put forward. I just wish the Kings would have done more and stepped in and said, nah, this is wrong. This has to stop. This, this needs to end. Now, we all know eventually the, the road came to an end with – DeMarcus Cousins and the Kings, and uh, I don't wish career-changing or ending injuries on anybody, and that's exactly what happened to DeMarcus Cousins a couple years back. But to the Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance, I hope it tells the truth. I hope it shines light in an honest way. I hope that uh, the parts the doc that he speaks in dur- during this documentary, that he tells the truth, and he owns his mistakes. If you remember his Hall of Fame entrance speech, it went for nearly an hour, if not over an hour, and it was he included six thank yous. The rest of the time, he talked about his junior high teammates and junior high coach, his high school teammates and high school coach, his college teammates and coaches, his NBA teammates and coaches, his opponents, the media, his fans. He ridiculed everybody in that speech. Even the guy that presented him that day, he took a shot at. He took a shot at Brian Russell. Brian Russell is like, why? What? You're you're the greatest of all time. Yeah, you beat me on one shot. A season, uh, it, you know, on the final shot of quote unquote your career, certainly with the Chicago Bulls, and you have to bring me up in the Hall of Fame speech. Ridiculous. So Michael Jordan, not a good guy. Amazing basketball player. Most people would say he's the best to ever do it. You're not wrong. Uh, those that say LeBron James is the best ever to do it, I don't think we're wrong either. They're both terrific. But the last dance, uh, I'm I, I'm interested to see if it tells the truth. And isn't it funny that it's only about the final season with the Bulls? It doesn't include the previous finals, the first finals that they played against Utah Jazz, the quote-unquote flu game. No truth being revealed about that, is there now? 
Interesting. All right, a little cheap shot from my jazz fan heart there, but it bothers me that he's lauded as such a hero, and he did play through whatever it was, be it a flu or, or food poisoning or hangover or detox, whatever you want to, whatever it was, he played through it, and kudos to him. I just worry about the hero uh, uh, moniker that we place on a guy like Michael Jordan when I think he's genuinely uh, a jerk. So there you go. Sorry, Bulls fans. Sorry, Jordan fans. Great basketball player. Bad guy. Sorry. All right, here's a good basketball player and a, a good guy, by all accounts, Joe Ingles. He uh, has his show each and every Thursday on the Zone Sports Network, the Joe Ingles Show with DJ and PK. And today he was asked a couple interesting questions. I'm going to let you hear the full interaction in its entirety about the Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell relationship. I'm going to call it a saga at this point because it's all anyone's writing or talking about out there. Uh, But first I wanted to play an, an interesting answer from Joe for you about yesterday I shared Dr. Anthony Fauci's comments about how sports seasons can be played in a controlled or bubble uh, system where, where the players, coaches, everyone involved is tested weekly. They're monitored closely in hotel or whatever, essentially in a, in a bubble city around where they're playing these games. And Mike Trout uh, responded and said, he's not a big fan of that idea. He doesn't fathom the, that the baseball Players can be expected to go just hotel to baseball field, back to the hotel, back to the baseball field, back to the hotel for an entire season without venturing out, going somewhere else, doing something other than that. Uh, Mike Trout is my favorite baseball player of all time. Mike Trout makes a lot of money to play baseball, go back to the hotel, back to the baseball field, back to the hotel. And if you want in the offseason to go do whatever you want, great. But in the season, if this is what it takes to play the season – I think you kind of got to suck it up and do it, Mike Trout. I'm sorry. And I understand he's got a special circumstance right now because his wife is expecting their first child uh, within the next uh, little while. I I don't think they're very far away from that happening. And I would be uh, completely sympathetic and understanding if he chose to not play the first little bit of whenever this season does resume to be at home with his family. That's That's a time you never, ever, ever get back. And I won't begrudge him that. But to complain that you can't leave the hotel or the baseball field, why don't you just count your money and then go back and play baseball? And I know it's it's an unrealistic uh, expectation that I've placed on these guys and on these players to, to be robots like that. But you make hundreds of millions of dollars to be a robot. Enjoy it. When you're 60 years old, you'll look back and think, man... I wish I could just go play ball, go back to the hotel, go back and play ball, go back to the hotel, and count my hundreds of millions of dollars. So enjoy it while it lasts. But here's what uh, Joe Ingles had to say about Mike Trout's reaction to Anthony Fauci's uh, proposal and what Joe Ingles would think of a situation like that. Uh, I think I would be right there next to my friend Mike Trout. (laughs) No, I think think in... Well, obviously what we're going through now it's like it wouldn't be too different in terms of like most people are obviously stuck inside or, or stuck at their homes and apartments or, or whatever they live in um, uh, my only thought about that I guess is if if that is the case and we are wherever or going to Vegas or whatever's kind of been the the little bit of the talk um, so I mean what happens when 
one person potentially test positive, then we're kind of back to square one again because then we all have to be, if you're in contact with someone, maybe and maybe it's a little bit different now or if the testing's faster or whatever the case is, but um, if someone tests positive within a team you've played or your own team or, or in a hotel, then you're, uh, I mean, we're kind of back to square one again where we all have to be self-quarantined or whatever for two weeks and... Um, Obviously, everyone like um, the, the baseball guys. Everyone's in different situations. I think. Did you say he's got a pregnant wife, or he's yeah. just had a kid, or whatever? Um, I mean, like the, everyone's just got people might be pregnant. People might have young babies. Um, obviously, some people will just be themselves or, or with a partner or something. So, uh, I think everyone will be in different situations. But I just feel like if if we all go back to a, a group setting and we're all in Vegas or wherever it is, then as soon as one person is positive, which obviously there's a really good chance because we're not going to be the only ones in Vegas. Uh, everyone's been like, you, you just, I don't know. You just don't know. I don't, I don't know. Well, I, I'll let the, the big bosses make the decisions. So there you go. Joe Ingles reaction. A good point he made about uh, having a new baby. Of course, you don't want any diseases around a new baby and, and a wife who's just gone through labor and a pregnancy. Totally understand that and get that. And he also makes another good point that every sport, every situation is completely different. And I'm with him. I'm not sure even in a quote unquote bubble city or scenario, you can absolutely make sure nothing gets in uh, uh, that the, the coronavirus or otherwise will not penetrate those bubble city walls somehow there's two there's mail that still comes in and out of that place is there not there's there's got it you can't all just be in some gymnasium uh armory uh, in on cots every single night that's it, it's impossible in my opinion but i'm hopeful that they've come so far in their testing and in the research of this disease that in the near future they'll be able to somehow resume action uh we'll see like Joe Ingles, I've got my doubts, I've got my questions about it, I've got my hopes for it, but all we can do uh, is let the people who are smarter and more versed in these areas make those decisions and go forward with it when that happens. All right, and then this from Joe Ingles. Of course, you've been following, if you're a jazz fan, or even the, the uh, uh, I don't know, uh, adequate, adequate, mediocre NBA fan, you've heard this story. Rudy Gobert popped positive for coronavirus, perhaps was a little careless at times, according to reports from Major Wojnarowski uh, in the locker room, in the, in the practice, whatever, didn't take it as seriously as he needed to. He himself has said so and has apologized. Donovan Mitchell then tested positive coronavirus. Who gave it to who? If they gave it to each other at all, we don't know. But we do know that there's been enough smoke that there's probably some truth to the fire that Donovan Mitchell was not pleased with Rudy Gobert and how he handled this. And it has come out that uh, in The Athletic last week that their relationship was unsalvageable, according to one anonymous source. Rudy then went on Instagram with Taylor Rooks, which I played for you a couple days ago, and said they have spoken to each other and they have decided that they're going to be all right enough to go forward and play basketball and try to win basketball games. Well, Joe Ingles being the... Uh, statesman of the Jazz, the spokesman in this point. Nah, I don't want to say spokesman for the Jazz, but he's got this show on the radio, and of course DJ and PK are going to ask him about it. I wanted to play the entire interaction for you so you get the full context of what went down, but Joe Ingles seems to think that this thing has been completely blown out of proportion 
by a lot of rumors and 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 uh, a telephone game amongst the media and other sources than the actual truth of the matter. Here's those thoughts. So last week, a story comes out that says uh, uh, an anonymous quote that the relationship between Gobert and Mitchell is quote unquote unsalvageable. And That's shortly thereafter, word. you put out a tweet. You put out a tweet that said, "LOL." What was that tweet about? I was laughing out loud. <laughs> about what? <laughs> uh, I can't really remember what it was. Now it was uh, it was a few days ago, wasn't it? Obviously, something, I don't know, maybe Miller said something funny, or maybe Miller was trying to pronounce the word unsalvageable or something. I can't really remember, but um, (laughs) I'm glad it's been salvaged. You know, jazz fans want to believe it's been salvaged, but there's a big chunk of jazz fans who, until they hear it from Donovan, aren't going to believe it. Oh, should we get Donovan on the line and see if it's salvaged? A lot of jazz fans, I'm dead serious about this. I'm not joking around at all, Joe. A lot of jazz fans would appreciate it if you got Donovan to say that. He could, <laughs> he could come on our show and say it. He could hold up his Didn't phone they? and say it into his phone so they can see his face. And then he could post it on social media. But I'm telling you, there are scars from stuff that happened here before you were born. There That's are scars. Nothing to do with me. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It's just jazz fan, <laughs> and there are just scars, and people wear it every day, and this is just this is one more thing. And it, it doesn't have to do with Rudy or what Donovan. Did, it has to do with jazz fans. Feel, what did Rudy come out and say the other day? Right, but he's not the, uh, the, he's not the aggrieved hurt party here, which is why. And, and Joe, Joe, we could do a whole lesson in jazz history, in Utah sports history, and in Utah history, but there's just a <laughs> lifetime of this stuff, and this is one more straw on the camel's back. And it, it, I, I, I think it's tough when you're in the locker room um, because people don't know and can't know. I think we know more. PK and I know more than the average fan, but there's a lot of stuff we still don't know. And we know we don't know it. And we know that it's hard to throw it out there. It's kind of like if you've read about this MJ documentary that's coming out. And Jordan's like, well, when people see behind the scenes, they're still not going to have all the context. They're going to think I'm a bad guy. And so I get why people don't want to put it out there. I 100% understand. And yet I also know that jazz fans are wearing all this agony and all this heartbreak from other situations that have gone wrong for whatever reason. And like... Oh, boy, here we go again. And they just, there's a segment of them that just can't shake that feeling until they see it from Donovan, see the look in his eyes and realize he's serious because it matters to them a lot. Well, I, from from what I know, uh, and I I feel like I've, I, I know a fair bit of what's going on with our team, being uh, a piece of, of the roster and being in a group chat and, all that I'd be like I said on the Sam Amix podcast, however many weeks ago. That was like maybe three weeks ago or something. When I, when it was so unsalvageable, um, I said that our team would be completely fine. I was confident in that, and like uh, I mean, people. <laughs> I had a lot of tweets like, "Oh, if Joe thinks it's it's all good, then it will be all good," and. I'd be even more confident now saying that that we're going to be totally fine. I was confident back then saying it. Otherwise, I obviously wouldn't have said it. I'm not going to say something I don't believe in. Um, I thought it back then, however many weeks ago. And like I said, I think, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, they obviously had a little bit of a frustration there. I think everyone in the situation was frustrated at different things, not, not Rudy. 
um, my frustration was like getting home to my family. Like, I wanted to be here with my family. I didn't want to. I didn't want to talk to anyone in our team. I didn't. I didn't speak to anyone in our team for the first ten days, two weeks, because I was my one and only concern was was my family and making sure they were okay and making sure the kids were, were healthy and obviously me kind of st- staying away from them to, to maybe if I if I had it or didn't have the symptoms or whatever the, the things to be. So I think um, there was frustration from everyone's part in, in different in, in different uh, ways and different feelings. But um, I've said it before, I'll say it again, I believe our team will be completely... They've spoken, we've all spoken, we've been in group chats, like it's... Like it's, it, it's it's completely. It's we're going to be fine. Everyone, I don't know the histories and all of it. We could maybe sit down off camera or off radio one day, and we'll we'll have a big chat about it, and I'll write it in my notes and um, see what I can do to to help it all. But um, yeah, we'll be fine. You got to hope for the Utah Jazz, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, and everyone involved that those two can somehow have a basketball working relationship, bar none. Anything else on top of that would be gravy, so to speak. But hopefully they have enough of a respect for uh, each other's games, each other as a person, and the franchise of the Utah Jazz to try and get as many wins as they can and hopefully win a title one day, despite their personal differences. Hopefully that that is taken care of and and will be taken care of uh, going forward. All right, I know I'm not alone in this, but The Price is Right is my absolute all-time favorite game show ever. Uh, so much so that I would I would skip school, uh, fake sick sometimes to stay home and write in my little Price is Right journal to keep track of the prices because I just knew someday I was going to go on it and win the whole showcase. Uh, for my senior trip after high school, I convinced my friends to go with me. We went to California, but I convinced them that as part of the trip, we had to go to an episode of The Price is Right. We slept out on the street outside television studio all night long. We made t-shirts. We were the first ones into the audience that day. We sat right by contestants row. Uh, And my friend Casey actually won an oven, won a truck, and went to the showcase showdown uh, showcase final actually and, and lost to a woman actually from Draper, Utah that day. But it was an amazing experience. I still someday want to be on there, even though Bob Barker's no longer the host, Drew Carey, whatever, it's not the same, but it's still my favorite game show ever. Well, this moment, presented by at LookIt'sHCG on Twitter, captured an obviously pre-recorded episode of The Price is Right, which they always pre-record these a month or two in advance. And this poor fella, his prize for the game he's about to play uh, let's just say it may or may not be uh, valid any longer. Trey, what do we got for him? Well, Andrew, this is a once-in-a-lifetime kind of prize. It's a trip to the Stanley Cup Finals! First, we'll fly you and three guests round-trip coach to the site of Game 4 of the Stanley Cup Finals. Oh. At a luxury hotel. Then, you'll attend the 2020 Stanley Cup Finals, where you'll watch the Eastern and Western Conference champions duke it out for the chance to win the most iconic trophy in sports. Brutal. Also, we see four jerseys from the team of your choice, courtesy of the NHL. It's a brutal. $12,000. Ah. 
2020 Stanley Cup final airfare and tickets for game four. Now, it could still take place. They could still somehow work this out. But right now, as things appear for him, it looks like that $12,000 prize, which he won, by the way, with the game Secret X, he may have uh, he may be out of it because here's how it works: when you after you play that game, you go backstage and they ask you, do you want to sign to take the cash equivalent of this prize, or do you want to sign to take this prize? And then what you if you decide to take the prize, it's then up to you and the company presenting the prize to work that out. Uh, my buddy Casey won the, won this truck, and it took so long. For his for them to finally get that truck delivered and, and and presented to him that he was on his mission. His parents sold the truck before he ever got home. He never even saw the truck. This poor guy, if he chose the Stanley Cup Finals tickets, the NHL is probably like, oh, sorry. We'll maybe try to make good with it later. Hopefully, he took the cash equivalent and just has that cash. But if not, he's down $12,000. Oh, I feel so bad for him. But he's got a famous moment on TV and a story to tell at any party he goes to the rest of his life. All right, that's it for this Thursday edition of the EP Podcast. Appreciate you hanging on and, and sticking through with me. Thank you so much for subscribing and, and following and listening. Uh, we're available now on any podcast uh, platform that you find your podcasts on. Or you can go to 1280thezone.com slash ep-podcast or the Zone Sports Network app on-demand audio section. Get us there each and every day. All right, we'll see you on a Friday edition of the EP Podcast. Until then, be good to each other. Time now for the laugh of the day. <laughs> I don't know. That's why I like football. What a great game. Yeah. Not so much the players, the announcers are really cool. <laughs> big announcers up there in that booth with a big geeky headset on. Talking about nothing. Hey, look at that player, Bill. What a hit. Looks like his lungs squirted right out of his helmet. What's your analysis? Well, uh, that's gotta hurt, Bob. Thank you, Captain Obvious. Hey, who would you say is buried in Grant's tomb? I'm gonna go with Grant, Bob. Shut up. Why is he talking at all? You're watching, you're watching this stuff on TV anyway, you know? This is all the announcer has to say. See that? So did I. Back to you, Jim. That's all you gotta say. But they like to talk. Even the referee in football talks too much. Have you noticed this? He's got a little button right here on his belt. And every time a guy does a penalty, they stop the whole game so the ref can turn on the button, announce who did it, and basically humiliate the guy on national TV. This is whole job, just stop the whole game to embarrass this one. The reason we stopped, the reason we're all hanging around here and not doing anything right now, is because some people out here don't seem to know the rules of the game. Do they? Number 71. 71, you fat, waddling hog. Don't try to deny it. We have it on tape. What a loser. Can't really blame the ref, though, can you? Wouldn't you do that if you were him? Think about this. You're a ref. An ordinary guy. You're not making the big money. But, got a little button right there on the belt. You know that every time you turn it on for the first time in your whole stupid life, the whole country has to listen to you. I don't know about you. I'd be stopping that game every ten minutes just to get some off my chest. <laughs> the hell with the game. I'm talking about me. I'd be right out on that field going, 
Sure, I'm the ref and everything, but who am I to judge these players? I mean, what if I'm wrong? Look at some of the decisions I've made in my own life, for sake. I'm 62 years old and I'm a ref. Oh, I'll be honest with you, lots of times when I'm out here, I'm not even thinking about the game. I love my kids, but if I had to do it again, no way, Jose. feel a lot better. Better get back to the game. Sorry for interrupting. Whew. <laughs> First 